It is Friday the 4th of October. I'm your host Ryan Kia and this is the Quantium Cast. A couple of episodes ago we talked about emerging market economies. Well now we would like to hopefully analyse a little bit about frontier markets and emerging markets. Just to clarify, emerging markets are not developed markets and frontier markets are something in between emerging markets and developed markets. Examples include Bangladesh and Poland. In that recent episode, we had also analysed the difference between free float market weighting and full float market capitalization weighting. Well, there was another idea that we brought up, and that idea was purchasing power parity in terms of GDP. So how much you have in terms of buying power. Well, emerging markets had a golden growth period. If we're looking in terms of purchasing power parity in GDP terms, they had a share of world PPP GDP at around 25% in the 1980s, and that has gradually increased to around 49% in 2018. If we, however, look at the share of world GDP at market exchange rates, that has gone from around 20% in 1980 to around 35%. And that has been at the expense of developed markets such as the United States, the United Kingdom, and China. But China is a bit of an anomaly here because China was once an emerging market. And over this similar period, had delivered exponential growth of at least 6% a year. I mean, we look at GDP growth figures. They have been at 6% a year since 1980. And if we follow the eighth wonder of the world, compound interest, we can see that a 6% return year on year for 38 years will result in exponential nominal growth. Because if you think of 1 times 1.06 to the power of 38, you'd get a decent number. If we simply used 1 to show how this example works, you would be left with 9 as your index number, 9.1 something. And thus differentiating the Chinese economy from the UK and the US and a couple of other developed markets. We're going to now look at the share of world population though. And the EM share of world population has stayed fairly constant from 1980 to 2018 at around 59%. We can see developed markets staying fairly stable and also frontier markets in the rest of the world. But what has happened is that emerging markets have grown in their share of world investable market capitalization. If we look at the beginning of the period, they had around 1% or 2%. And if we look now, they have 11.7%. And frontier markets have grown from almost nothing to half a percent. It's important to note that whilst EMs and FMs together account for 55% of world purchasing power GDP, otherwise known as gross domestic product, some 40% of world GDP at market exchange rates, and 68% of the world's population. Their combined weighting in global equity indexes is still remarkably small, at around 12%. This further proves a point that we brought up in a previous video, that there is an issue. The issue is free float market capitalization weighting because some shares are illiquid, and in most emerging markets, they are likely going to be illiquid. They won't probably meet minimum standards for certain listings. 
and so developed markets such as the UK and the US etc account for virtually all of the rest of that share of world global market capitalization in terms of investable securities and that stands at 88%. However, although the EM plus FM market share has grown from a negligible 2% in 1980 to 12% today, there's been no progress over the last 11 years. In 2007, their combined share was 12.4%, whilst today it is 12.2%. And so, by the data we have just mentioned, the main explanations, or also the possible explanations for the low weighting of the EMs in the World Index is that the MSCI FTSE Russell and S&P World Indexes are based on the investable universe from the perspective of a global investor. It is because of this that certain indexes exclude or underweight their exposure to market segments that are difficult to access and thus they apply free float weighting and they screen out individual stocks deemed to be hard to deal in. And by that we could use an example of the Chinese A-share market. Until 2008, the large Chinese A-share market was excluded from the MSCI Emerging Market Index because of difficulties with gaining access. Once again, if you have access as an investor to a market, you're more likely to quote-unquote refer to the asset as investable. It's a little bit of common sense to be honest. The year 2018 actually saw the start of a gradual inclusion of A-shares, but with an initial weighting of just 5% of free float adjusted market capitalization. So if it was at 100%, it's likely that the share of EMs would be much higher. At the current growth rate, China is referred to as an emerging market economy, but considering the nominal size and also increased awareness of living standards and also improvements made to things on those fronts, it could be fair to class them as a developed market, but for now we'll just keep them as an EM. An interesting statistic that we could probably look at right now is that when markets are weighted by size, the average free float for emerging market economies is 42%, and that is less than half that of developed markets, of which have a share of 89% being quote-unquote investable. An estimate from Credit Suisse in their CSRI 2019 came with an estimation that if there were no exclusions, restrictions, or application, and I quote, of free float weightings, we estimate that the overall weightings of EMs would be roughly double than what we had recently mentioned. We now look to whether there is actually an opportunity in emerging market stocks. Well, the continued low level of emerging market weighting since 2007 is explained by the fact that developed markets outperformed EMs by 52% over this period, so from 2007 to 2018. And this is because of the greater number of IPOs, initial public offerings, listings of companies basically, and seasoned equity offerings, which are basically similar within the EM universe. And that had been insufficient to overcome this underperformance headwind. So it seems that the underperformance of emerging markets isn't actually to do with themselves. They have done well. The only issue is that the outstanding appreciation of the United States has far outstripped any prospective growth that the EMs had. And you wouldn't really think that developed markets could grow at that rate. 
but it seems that investors' funds are just continuously pouring in and delivering returns time and time again. In fact, if we plotted the average free float in major EMs and DMs, we would see by using the weighted average free float for each market, the developed markets would come in the top seven, the eighth would be an emerging market economy, the ninth would be a DM, and the rest would be EMs. We could look at the range from 39% to 96%, and the median being around 70%. In tomorrow's episode, we'll be looking at inflation levels in some of these emerging market economies, frontier markets mentioned, and also developed markets. But for now, we're gonna have a look at the trading update released by Zoetic International, previously known as Highlands Natural Resources. So these guys reported a trading update for the six month period ended the 30th of September, 2019 with a revenue at 1.15 million pounds up from half one 2018. So they've doubled their revenue on a half on half basis. And uh, they have 67 stores stocking their Zoetic and Chill CBD products. If we look at their cash balance, they have a million pounds. If we look at a refund of bonds, they're trying to get $360,000 back. They've got $60,000 to date, and they should get $140,000 by the end of 2019. They've got discussions with several parties on the sale of their oil and gas assets. These were shale assets, and those assets had uh, been one of the quote-unquote main drivers previously when Highlands were going to actually release a product or also a service on refracking technology called DT Ultravert. I assume their testing with Schlumberger never actually worked out in their favor. And so now they are a CBD oil company. They just noted that their first feminized heap seed production is likely to begin before the end of 2019 with initial sales in the first quarter of 2020. We will not bother about anything until we see numbers given. The revenue there isn't actually made up by anything special. We must note that the main revenue will be coming from this CBD oil product. If we look at, yes, they are in 67 stores, but uh, 1 million in terms of the losses is not beneficial. And the reason why I say these sales are actually not that important is because in the beginning of August 2019, the company, Zoetic International, instead of Highlands Natural Resources, had revenue from their CBD division of merely 36,000 pounds. And yes, they are saying that the trends will help them in future trading. But at the moment, it is a very crowded market. You'll see every man and his quote unquote dog trying to hop onto the CBD trend and start a business here. Well, it's not that easy as we've seen, regulations are starting to eat away at any potential profits or additional market share in this sector. But nevertheless, we must actually wait and see what Zoetic do, because if we look at some of the trading update figures that they've talked about, they've got costs of 2.5 million pounds. Those are their operating costs pro forma. That basically says that Zoetic don't have enough cash to keep their lights on for a whole year. Because if they have a million pounds in cash and they're not making a profit at the moment, then if they're spending at least 2.5 million pounds, you can see the problem. There is either the need for a further fundraise or a loan from a bank or a sale 
revenues from the sale of their assets that they have, the oil and gas assets, I believe, which won't probably generate that much more than a couple million, I assume, which could potentially help them, but it's up to them. If they can raise these funds, then they can recover their valuation a little bit more and create some shareholder value, hopefully through this CBD oil business. But anyways, that wraps up today's episode of the Quantum Cast. As always, I've got to go catch a train. I thank you all for listening and make sure if you haven't already to sign up on our site at quantumresearch.co.uk for some bonus content. Once again, I've been your host Brian Keir. Until next time.